to the continuation of our Loserology series. We are so glad that you're here. Over the last few weeks at South Bay, we've been talking about what not to do with life. And sometimes the easiest way to know how to live is to know how not to live. In fact, the Bible calls this folly. And over and over and over again, we can see in the scriptures about what happens when we live our lives as fools. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 3, the scripture says that the fool ruins his life and then rages against God as a result. He gets angry with God when he makes a choice to ruin his life. So we're just looking at some of the simple things that we can do to ruin our lives, to live with folly. And today I want to talk to you about how to ruin your life spiritually as it pertains to your own personal growth. Like if you want to ruin your life when it comes to spiritual growth, we're going to talk about how to do that today. And most of us as human beings have this innate desire to grow, to become better, to become more, to become more of the person that God has created us to be, to become more patient, more kind, more loving, to become more self-controlled, maybe it's more sexually pure, to become a better husband, a better father, maybe a better wife, better student, better parent, better grandparent. All of us want to become more and to become better. But if you're anything like me, at times, personal growth or spiritual growth can be pretty frustrating. Because at times, it seems like everybody else around me is growing at light speed. Like they're going, their lives are transforming, they're changing, and it seems like my life tends to go a little bit slower. You know, there's that attitude that we have that we just can't get past. For me, mine's the patience with my small children. Maybe it's a, a food that you're like, every time you're around it, you're tempted and you can't, you can't have the self-control to hold back, but you always find yourself plunging back into the same attitudes, the same behaviors. Maybe it's a thought pattern that you've been trying to get out of. Maybe at times spiritual growth is frustrating for you because you, you sprint and you make some progress really quick and then you find yourself exhausted and tired. It's like P90X. Some of you guys have done this before. You order all the DVDs, you get the chart, you put it on the wall, you take your before pictures, and for two weeks, man, you are hanging with Tony Horton doing every single workout that he does, and then you just drop off the cliff. And you're so exhausted, and you can't continue forward. Sometimes growth is frustrating because we get an area of our lives under control, and then there's another area of our lives that seems to pop up. Like that game at, at, uh, at Chuck E. Cheese's, you know, where you play and you hit down one little head and the head goes down and then the other head pops up. You know, I'm a, I get better at work and then all of a sudden I realize that my marriage is struggling. Or maybe for you students, it's like you get better with your grades in school and then your, friendship, your friendships are lacking. See, so many times growth can be frustrating for us. We don't grow at the rate that we hoped we would grow. We find ourselves exhausted with personal growth. And sometimes we look at personal growth and we see ourselves growing in one area, but one er another area is totally struggling. And I want to talk to you today. If you would like to spend the rest of your life as it pertains to personal and spiritual growth, stuck and dissatisfied, I'm going to give you the ingredients of how you can do that. And we're going to look at a passage of scripture found in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 14, talking about spiritual and personal growth, how to lose in this area of our lives. Now, let me lay the context for you of the passage that we're going to look at today. Uh, there's this letter written to a church, and this church is struggling under persecution for their faith in Jesus. And the writer of the letter is helping them understand 
how to persevere all the way to the point of death. In fact, he's encouraging them, the many of them that might lose their life for the faith, their faith in Jesus, to stay strong. And he, he's encouraging them that God can give them help in the middle of their persecution. He's trying to get them to persevere. But because of their struggle with personal growth, they're not able to understand and receive the truths that they should be able to receive. And he writes these few verses, this group of people that are stuck and not growing at the rate that they should, to help them understand the secret to personal growth. Watch what he says in Hebrews chapter 5. He says, we have much to say about this, talking about perseverance all the way to the point of death like we talked about in the context. We've got a lot to say about this, but it's hard to explain because you are slow to learn. Anybody ever felt like you were slow to learn before? Like you look at other people and you think, man, that guy's getting it, but not me. I remember in elementary school with music, I am not very musically inclined. In fact, I tried out for the worship band. Archie Jackson, our worship pastor said, no way, you can't, you're not gonna cut it. And uh, in my elementary school days, it was that time where everybody has to choose an instrument. So I chose the saxophone. You know, you, get the, you can get the piano, you can get the flute. No, I, I want to be a saxophone player is what I told my dad and my teacher. So we went out and we bought this $400 saxophone. And every week we would go into music class and we would test different notes. And when you got one note right, you would go on to the next note. Some of you remember this. And by the end of the year, you're supposed to be playing songs. Like some of the other kids, they're playing Beethoven, they're playing Bach. I mean, they are on to the next level. At the end of the school year, I'm not kidding you, I could only get three notes on the saxophone. And this is after a full year. I was slow to learn. Everybody else is passing me up. It's like I'm stuck in traffic in life and I can't learn how to play this musical instrument. And sometimes we feel like that when it comes to spiritual growth, when it comes to personal growth, it just seems like everybody else gets it a little bit faster than we get it. Then he says this. In fact, by this time, you ought to be teachers. He's saying that at this point, you should be there, but you are here. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. At this point, you are grown up so much that you should be a teacher, but you're in second grade. Some of you guys might have seen Billy Madison when you were growing up. I think it's interesting, like, the people who are in their 20s and teenage have no idea who Billy Madison is. Go on Netflix. You can find him. It's one of the great joys of the 90s is Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore. Now, Billy Madison was this grown-up kid, that went, this grown-up man that had to go back to school. And the whole movie is about Billy Madison going back to school. And it's kind of comical because you have this full-grown man sitting in classroom, in this, small in this small desk, and the teacher's up front, and then there's another time where he goes out into the playground playing dodgeball, some of you remember this, and here's like this 30-year-old guy getting all the five-year-olds out in dodgeball, and here's this man that should be a teacher, but he's a second grader. I, I remember in middle school, there was a guy like this. He was about a foot and a half taller than everybody else in seventh grade, and he had like one of those mustaches growing. It's like, dude, you should be the teacher, not in middle school. And the writer of this letter is saying, you should be teaching people right now, but you're still in elementary school. You're still on one plus one equals two when you should be in college and teaching other people spiritually. Then he says this, you need milk, not solid food. Now, I just want to tell you, back then they didn't have bottles. So you can get what he's saying with the word picture. He's saying, you are still on breast milk. 
and you should be eating steak, and you should be on to the next level spiritually, but you are still a spiritual babe. Anyone who lives on milk, still being an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. He's saying, when it comes to God's worth, when it comes to truth, when it comes to your relationship with Jesus, you should be there, and right now you are here. And there's a reason why you are stuck. But I think that spiritual growth at times and personal growth is kind of frustrating because it's not as tangible as physical growth. It's harder for us to see what's happening inside the same way that we can see our bodies. You know, when you don't eat right and you don't exercise, you get out of shape, you know it and everybody else knows it. But many times, spiritually, we're not fit, we're not strong, we're not growing, we're not progressing, we're frustrated, we should be there and we're here. And we're not living the life that God has created us to live. And there's a reason why we're not there and we're here. And the writer of Hebrews is going to, in one verse, in one verse, give the secret of transformation in every area of our lives. Watch what he says in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. He says, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. He says, this is how maturity happens. This is how growth is going to come about in your life and my life. This is how you are going to attain maturity in your relationship with God, in your relationship with others. This is how you become mature. He gives us two phrases, and the first phrase is through constant use, and the second phrase we're gonna look at is have trained themselves. And that first word, constant use, when you look into the scripture and you understand the original language that this phrase was written in, that phrase, constant use, means to make something a habit by practice. That spiritual growth comes when we make a habit by practice out of receiving truth in God's word into our life. My two boys, who are six and four years old at this point, Cademan six and a half, Sammy four and a half, they go through the teeth brushing routine so quickly that you wonder, did you really get those teeth brushed? And so we have this little hourglass that we put on the counter in the bathroom and they flip it. And when it gets to the bottom, that means they can stop brushing their teeth. They need to brush all of the teeth thoroughly, then their mouth is clean. And many of us as adults, most of us as adults, hopefully all of us as adults, when we go into the bathroom and we brush our teeth, we don't think about it. No, no ABC song, you know, we tell them you got to sing the ABC song while you're brushing your teeth. And if you haven't gotten all the way through the ABC song, then you need to keep brushing your teeth. You know, nobody goes in the bathroom, brush A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P. Because through practice, hopefully, and if you haven't, you got like one tooth in your mouth. Through practice, we've made teeth brushing a habit. We use that toothbrush on every single one of our teeth and we don't think about it. We drive to work and sometimes you've done this before where you get to work and you're like, did I just drive from home to work? Because you are on autopilot. Through a habit, through practice, it is turned into a habit. And physical growth Physical health literally can be boiled down to two things, and the same is true spiritually. That to, to have this idea of constant use is this constant input of truth into our minds to shape our thinking and our heart 
towards the life that God wants us to live. But there's a second phrase that he use, uses as well. And the second phrase is this. It's they have trained themselves. So constant use speaks to one component of spiritual growth, but the other part of this is through training. And I love this original language definition. It's through vigorous exercise or naked exercise. You get to choose which one. I'm going to go with the vigorous exercise. But the writer of Hebrews packs in this one verse the secret to personal transformation and spiritual growth, and it's through constant use and then to exercise vigorously what one already knows to be true. And so physical growth or physical health, we know, is really simple. It boils down to what you eat and how you exercise. What you eat and how you exercise. You can exercise all day, every day, all you want. And if you're eating junk food, unless you're like 15 years old, and you're, you know, going through puberty and you're growing so fast or, you're, you know, teenage boys, guys and girls, you're excluded from this comment. Everybody else, once you get past like 20, unless you're doing both and, you're not going to get physically fit. And the scripture in this one verse is saying spiritual growth, maturity happens through these two things, through constant use to make a habit where truth is received into our lives and then to exercise that truth vigorously. It's the input and the output. It's eating and exercising truth in our lives. This is how spiritual growth happens for you and for me. So if you want to ruin your life spiritually, if you want to stay stuck if you want to be dissatisfied in your relationship with God and your relationship with others, it's really simple. Do not do either of these two things. Or maybe just do one of them without the other. And that's what I want to talk to you about for the remaining time that we have together. I want to talk to you about how to do this, how to ruin your life spiritually. So if you're taking notes, I'm going to give you two categories, two ways to be sure that you can ruin your life in spiritual growth and personal growth. So if you're taking notes, the first one is through spiritual starvation. That's the first way to ruin your life when it comes to spiritual growth, through spiritual starvation. Now, spiritual starvation can be marked by several specific characteristics. It can be marked with a lack of direction in our lives. It can be marked by a life that is empty without purpose, distant from God and others, hopeless and worried. Spiritual starvation is this sense in which we don't have an input or a constant, consistent input of truth into our lives. And to explain this today, I've brought this height chair on stage. And this height chair represents where so many of us live our lives spiritually. That we get stuck in the high chair and we think that it's somebody else's responsibility to feed us spiritually. When my son Sammy came home from Ethiopia, we adopted him when he was two years old. And when he came home, he had to go through a trust process where he was learning to trust his parents. This two and a half year old would sit inside of a high chair and want for us to spoon feed him. And for Stacy and I, this was kind of comical because our first son, Cademan, when he was about the high chair age, when he got to 15 months old, he would like swat the spoon away but Sammy would want us to spoon feed him. Well, very quickly, he learned trust with us, and he got to the point where he was swatting the spoon away as well. 
But if a three-year-old or a four-year-old or a five-year-old or a six-year-old or a seven-year-old is still sitting in a high chair asking mom and dad to spoon feed them, something is not right. Yet so many of us spiritually get stuck in the high chair. And it's like we got this little bib. I'm not sure if I can fit this around my neck. And that bib is stuck on us. And we're saying, feed me, feed me. And we think that it's somebody else's job to feed us spiritually. It's the pastor's job. It's my life group leader's job. It's, it's somebody else's job to feed me and to change my diaper. And consequently, we get stuck spiritually. And we find ourselves in this mode of spiritual starvation. So if that's what you want, let me just tell you how to do it, okay? I'm going to give you some very, very specific ways that you can do it. First of all, and this is not, none of this is to make you feel guilty, okay? This is, I'm just saying, if you want to ruin your life spiritually, this is what you can do. Come to church about once every three months, and then when you come to church, let that be the one time that you have truth inputted into your life over the last three months. Now, I know South Bay you know, a lot of people are new to church and new to the idea of God. And so like once every three months is really good progress when you've gone like once every five years. So I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm just saying that if you're, if you're really trying to stay in this mode of spiritual starvation, this is the way that you can do it. Come to church about once every three months. Never have any input of truth into your mind. Read all of the tabloids, every single one of them. When you go to the grocery store, just stop. And look at all the information about Justin Bieber and, you know, I can't think of any other really cool people that are on the front of tabloids because I never read them. But just read all of them and let that be what you put in to your mind for truth. And then never read the Bible. Never open it. Just leave it. Get the app on your phone, but don't ever read it. So that way, if anybody picks up your phone, they know he's got the Bible app on his phone. But don't read it, okay? If you want to stay in spiritual starvation. And then, I love this one, expect the pastor to feed you spiritually. Just say to yourself, it's the pastor's job to feed me spiritually. And then when you come to church, just say, mm, I'm hungry, feed me, pastor. <laughs> and never eat any other time. Never except for when you come to church and expect the pastor to feed you. Not that we don't want to feed you the truth, but if you eat it like once a year or once every three months or even once a week, it's not going to nurse you. So just get into that place where you expect the pastor. His primary role is to feed you spiritually, okay? Now, here's how this works. If I relegate responsibility to feed myself truth, then I will experience spiritual starvation. So if you want to experience spiritual starvation, then just relegate responsibility. It is somebody else's responsibility to feed me spiritually. You guys got this one? Spiritual starvation. This is how you can do it. Now, the second one, which is almost as comical as the first one, after spiritual starvation, is spiritual obesity. Spiritual obesity. And this can be marked by several different things. Spiritual obesity can be marked by a judgmental and critical attitude of others. Lazy spiritually. It's the kind of person that only wants to teach the Bible and lead, but not serve. 
In fact, sometimes at, at South Bay, I'll get this, like I'll stand at the Connection Center on Sunday after our services, and you get people that come from other churches, and you know, nothing wrong with that. But I always love when somebody comes up from another church, and the first thing that they want to tell me is that they were an elder at their last church. It's like, that's a big red flag. I was an elder. Can I be an elder at South Bay? Like, we don't have elders here, but thank you for asking. And many times we get into this mode spiritually where we just want to lead and we just want to be in charge and we just want to teach, but we don't really want to serve. Now, South Bay does not have this culture, partly because we kind of make fun of people who are like that, number one. And number two, so many of you who've been here from the beginning have created this sacrificial culture. So this is not really a super, super, super um, big challenge for us and not really a part of our culture. But I'm just saying, like, if you... If you want to be obese spiritually, this is how you do it. I'm just telling you. This is how you can make it happen in your life. Now, spiritually obese people do this. They know how to use the Bible to attack other people. They know how to get into theological arguments, how to prove that their point is right, but they don't have an effective faith. Like you look at the fruit of their lives, there's no fruitfulness in them. The scripture talks about the fruit of the Spirit. There's no fruitfulness through their lives. And then also... They're the kind of person that they hear a message, they hear about truth, and then they walk out and do nothing with it. So let me tell you how to do this, okay? And I thought a, a good idea for this might be if I brought a, a pair of my wife's skinny jeans on stage and put them on, but I just thought that would be a really bad image. And I didn't want, when you thought about church, to look back and think, oh, that was, Andy was in skinny jeans on stage. That's all I remember from today was Andy in skinny jeans. But you guys know what I'm talking about, where Somebody tries to put that pair of pants on that they just don't fit, and we call that Dunlap disease. You know, it's like the guy that the, the jeans are just too small and his belly gone Dunlapped over the top of the jeans. <laughs> and some of us are like this spiritually, that we've got Dunlap spiritual disease. I want to tell you how to do it, okay? If you want to do this, when you hear a message on tithing, just go ahead and keep on living selfishly. When you hear a message on serving, and making a difference, just go ahead and think thoughts like this. Like you walk in and you see somebody else serving, whether it's in the parking lot, and you just think, oh, I'm so glad that they're serving so I don't have to. I don't have to do anything. When you go and you, you stop by the, the hospitality center or you grab a cup of coffee, just think to yourself, I'm so glad that there was somebody else that got up at 7.30 a.m. or got here at 7.30 a.m. to make coffee so I could just experience this cup of coffee and not have to do anything for it. I'm so glad that somebody else is taking care of my kids one hour a week, investing in them spiritually so I don't have to do anything else the rest of the week with them. I don't have to teach them any truths. I'm being facetious here, okay? I'm not, I'm not angry. I'm not upset. This is kind of comical to me. I'm just joking. Don't think I'm mad. I'm just saying, if you want to ruin your life spiritually, this is how you do it. If you hear a message about getting involved in community and life groups. Just stay isolated. Just stay by yourself. Don't do, don't do, here's the bottom line. Don't do anything with what you know. You hear truth, just sit on it and just wait a while and just see. Just stay back and try to figure out, should I put this into action? Nah, I'll just, I'll let somebody else put this truth into action, but I'm not gonna do anything. See, if you want to ruin your life, these are two great ways to do it. Don't have any input of truth, or if you do get an input of truth into your life, do nothing with it. So many people spiritually live in one of these two arenas. And I, I just wonder, 
If our physical bodies were a manifestation of our spiritual reality, what others would see? What would be seen in your life if your physical body were a manifestation of your spiritual reality? Would you be spiritually obese? Would you be the guy in skinny jeans with Dunlap disease? Would you be the babe in the high chair asking and expecting somebody else to feed you? If you want to ruin your life spiritually, this is, this is how you do it. But my assumption is the reason that you're actually here is because you want to grow, because you want your life to be different, and because I want my life to be different. We really do want to change and transform. So let's spend the last few minutes that we have together talking about actually how do we move from stuck and dissatisfied to real growth, real transformation, it all boils down to what is said in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. Let's go back to this verse. Solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Real growth, real transformation happens in your life and my life. One day at a time, one decision at a time, with a constant input of truth into our lives and a working out of what we already know, the truth that we've already received. And many times when we compare ourselves to others, when we look around us and we see everybody else is growing faster than I am, spiritual growth can be very, very frustrating. And I want to make it really simple. It boils down to what you eat spiritually and how you exercise spiritually. Spiritual growth is as simple as what you eat spiritually and how you exercise. It's that simple. But it's not very easy, is it? I mean, P90X is really simple, right? Eat healthy, get up with Tony Horton at 5.30 a.m. and work out for an hour and a half. It's that simple. But it's very difficult. And I think that if we can make it bite-sized, for lack of better words, baby steps towards spiritual growth every day, truth into our mind, truth in action. Over the long haul, it will lead to real transformation, real growth. So what is, let me ask you this question. What's the one thing that you can change this week in regards to what you are eating spiritually? What's the one thing you can do this week to change what you are eating spiritually and then what's the one thing you can do this week to change how you are exercising spiritually? And if we could make it this simple in spiritual growth, over the long haul, it will lead to transformation. Maybe for some of you, it's beginning to have a daily time alone with God. That every single day when you wake up, before you start your day, when you have that first cup of coffee, you download the YouVersion app onto your phone, and instead of just making sure you have that app so everybody else thinks you read the Bible, you actually open the app. And you put a program that helps you journey through the Bible in the next year. Or maybe some of you students, there are some, some journeys that you can take or some uh, plans that you can find on the YouVersion app that allow you to read one verse a day. And when you're waiting for that school bell to ring or your parents are driving you to school in the morning, you pull out your phone or you grab their phone. And instead of playing video games on their phone, you look at that one verse and you meditate and you pray and you ask God, to lead and guide your life through that one verse of scripture. Now, maybe for some of you husbands, it's saying, before I walk out the door every single day this week, I'm gonna just spend two minutes praying over my family. 
Maybe for some of you, it's a decision that you're going to get connected into a life group at South Bay, and you can actually do that today by signing up on your connection card. And you can say, over the course of the next few months, I'm going to have an input of truth into my life through life groups. Maybe for some of you, you've been coming to South Bay for a long period of time, and it looks like everything is just rolling smoothly, and there are ushers at the door, and there are people that are standing in the parking lot, and somebody every week that's taking care of our kids, and we think everything's working just fine, but, but serving is not about other people. Serving primarily is about us and what God wants to do in each of us. So maybe for you, that next step is for you to start serving more consistently. Maybe for others of you, it's to say, I'm going to up my consistency of being at church. And instead of that, like once every four months, and not to make you feel guilty, but to say, I'm going to work towards being there three, three times a month. Three out of the four or five weeks, I'm going to be consistent. Maybe it's looking at what you do every single week and saying, what are some things that I can stop doing so that I can have more truth inputted into my mind? Maybe instead of watching four episodes of Downton Abbey at night, it's two episodes of Downton Abbey at night. And you're going to start reading a book on personal finances or personal growth, and you're going to start inputting truth into your mind. Maybe it's downloading an audio book onto your phone, and while you're driving to work or while you're, you're sitting at the bus station and you're waiting for that bus to come to let truth fill your mind. But the more and more that we eat healthy spiritually and we exercise spiritually, the more it leads to transformation over the long haul with our lives. And, and here's what I've noticed in my spiritual growth and in my journey in my relationship with God. Sometimes I want to look day to day and week to week. And I want to isolate an area of my life where I'd like to grow and I want, to happen, I want it to happen overnight. Like I want to immediately go from being impatient with my kids to the next day, I'm like Mr. Rogers. I'm perfectly patient all the time. But it just doesn't happen as quickly as I want it to. But when I look back over the course of my life, and I look back a year ago, and I look back two or three or four or five years ago, I'm a different man today than I was a year ago, two years ago. And I think sometimes we grossly underestimate the transformation that God can bring in our lives over the long haul, and we grossly overestimate what he can do or will do in the short run. And spiritual growth is about the long haul. It is about saying, over the course of my life, I surrender to following and to loving Jesus. And every day, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to focus on being a little bit more surrendered to him today. A little bit more of his. I'm going to give him this area of my life now and watch what he does as I trust him here. I'm going to give him my relationships. I'm going to give him my finances and start trusting him with my tithe. I'm going to start spending time with him every day or maybe three or four days a week that I'm going to start cultivating that habit. And as we, over the course of life, start taking those baby steps of growth of what we eat and how we exercise, it will lead you towards that destination of life that God desires for you. And so my hope for you today is that when you look at your life, you could see not just that you are here and you should be there, but that you could see you are here and you can be there. Because as we assume responsibility, God will begin to give us the power we need to live out the life he's asking us to live, assuming responsibility spiritually for what we eat and for how we exercise 
every single day. Could you imagine the difference that it would make in every area of our lives if we woke up every day and just said, God, today, I'm going to focus on letting your truth be received into my life and exercising what I already know to be true. There's no limit to the change that God could bring into your life. And for generations into the future, kids and grandkids and great-grandkids can look at your life and say, that man, my dad, my granddad, my great-grandfather, he wasn't a perfect man, but he lived a godly life, and over the course of his life, he was different. From one decade to the next, he was a different man because he continued to receive truth and to live it out. Today, will you trust God, and will you take steps to begin to focus on what you eat spiritually and how you exercise. Let's pray together. God, I'm so grateful today that you are a good God, that you're a faithful God. I thank you that you are a God who's at work in our lives. And I pray that for each of us, we would be able to tangibly put into action this principle, that solid food is for the mature who by constant use have learned to train themselves so that they can distinguish good from evil. Help us receive truth and put it into action in our lives and then to begin to live out as you are asking us to live. We're so grateful today that over the long haul, our lives can be different because of you and because of what you've done for us, Jesus. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.